Hey guys, you're listening to She's Obsessed, the podcast. This is our second live panel. Our first panel was about entrepreneurs. We invited bosses, founders, CEOs, and freelancers to come and talk to us about what it was like and what it is like to found and most importantly, run a successful business. You should definitely listen back to that episode if you haven't already. It is absolutely hilarious. This second panel was about intrapreneurship. And here we were celebrating the women who work within companies, however, possess the same attributes as entrepreneurs and incite change, innovation, and truly do the work on the ground on a day-to-day. Because in my opinion, they're just as important as the founders themselves. Some of my favorite examples of intrapreneurship include DreamWorks. So DreamWorks encourage all of their staff, regardless of their job title, to be a part of the filmmaking process by sending in their own ideas. Films such as Shrek and Madagascar are the result of intrapreneurs voicing their ideas and putting them to work. Sony's PlayStation, also a result of intrapreneurship alongside Facebook's like button. On this panel, I am really excited to share with you Shannon Stanislas, who's the event architect and campaign manager and describes herself as Jill of all trades within the multicultural personal care community. I'm inviting Siobhan Gaudi, who is the brand director here at Treasure Trust. Francis Akua, who is the marketing executive at BET International. Amanda Maxwell, who's the founder and creator of Freelance Queens. This episode is very insightful with an interesting range of opinions. So I would definitely tune in, grab a notebook and put the advice to work. Let's go. Do you guys want to start by introducing yourselves? Maybe Shannon doesn't have to take part in this. Introduce yourself, tell us a bit about what you do, and share with us your proudest career moment to date. Oh, Um, Hi, everyone. I am Siobhan Roman Gaudi. I am the brand director of Treasure Trust um, and my proudest moment. Um, Okay, so. I'd say there's two. I think the first one for me is kind of like a team win, but it was definitely like Jamelia's win, but when she wins, we all win. So my favorite, my my proudest moment was definitely seeing Jamelia's name splashed all over Forbes. Yeah. That was like, yeah. That was super proud. Um, and just because we've come from such a, a, a long way away anyway. But um, then my um, proudest moment, I got up to speak at Warwick University and that was a massive, massive deal for me. So yeah, I was super proud of that. Um, Hi everyone, my name is Frances. I work at BET as a marketing exec um, and my proudest career moment today. today. Um, I think I have two as well. Mm -hmm. One of them was when I got flued out. (laughs) Um, I got flewed out to Rwanda to um, help teach young girls um, how to create a magazine. They um, take out a cohort of young women every year, um, but this magazine called Mia Minga, I hope I pronounced that correctly, Um, and I um, got to go there and help the young girls there, um, like, basically teach them how to be journalists, which was really fun, Um, and second proudest moment was uh, working at Live Magazine. I don't know if anyone knows about it, but um, the government took away the funding so it no longer exists. But I was the editor um, of that magazine back in the day and I went with a bunch of young people to the Guardian newspaper and we created like a zine in one day. Um, so yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> I'm going to try. Hello. Um, so I'm Amanda Maxwell. I am a freelance project manager, event curator, producer, everything all in one. Um, I also manage a DJ called Ellie Prohan, who's live on Foundation FM 5 till 7 every day. Um, and what else do I do? I set up a freelance community for freelance women, um, and that's probably one of my proudest moments. I've spoken with Jamelia about that. We went from having a lunch last year, just after Coachella, same day, 
and went for a lunch with 15 women and that's now escalated to over 150 and now developing a waiting list for freelance creative women across all sectors within the creative sector but in, is a way for developing a community um, and empowering women across their freelance careers. Um, it's exchanging, it's sharing of, 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 of advice, sorry, um, and it's a really safe space for women to come together. And then what else do I do? What's it called? Freelance Queens. Yeah. And what else do I do? I'm on the committee for BPI, which are the people that make the Brit Awards happen. I'm on the UK Music Futures Board, and that's about going to government about legislation that needs to change within the music industry. And I'm also part of She Said So, which is a female empowerment collective for women in music. And that's me. Oh, Alex! <laughs> and Shannon, what, what has been your proudest career moment to date? <laughs> so my proudest uh, career moment would probably be when I was working at um, a publicity firm, actually. And it was my very first day, and everybody was kind of giving me like, oh, why did they hire this you know, new young girl? And I have to admit, I was also the only brown girl in their office. Um, and so I was kind of getting side eyes all day. But um, I happened to land a really, really great, uh, I guess, uh, placement with like Fox Business <laughs> that day, as well as uh, with Vibe Magazine. And so, you know, I got to walk out of their head belt held really, really high. So that was pretty, uh, that was pretty awesome. You know, there's like walking on cloud nine. Um, I'm sure there's a couple other amazing ones, to be honest. This trip, <laughs> uh, this partnership, putting together the first of its kind, especially for this brand, um, is definitely kind of like high up there for me too. So, yeah. I'm pleased to hear that. Yes. <laughs> so I've got some questions, but I definitely want this more to be um, a free-flowing conversation. So feel free to chime in whenever. Um, first up, Shiv, this is directed at you, but oh. anyone can answer. <laughs> So when did you realize that you personally were an entrepreneur? Um, oh. I think for me, I've always been in sales. Um, and so when you work in sales, a lot of the time you're working for commission. And so a lot of what you do becomes independent. Um, and so I think that would my first serious sales job was probably when I realized that I was an entrepreneur um, and I had to kind of, use my my entrepreneurial spirit if you like um to really get the job done within an organization i think for me um just managing myself um and managing my time and as well as obviously hitting the kpis and the targets that um that were set in the most creative way that i knew possible and that's really when i realized that i was an entrepreneur <laughs> how about the rest of you guys I'm trying to work out when the moment was. I think probably the moment came when I, yeah, but again, kind of empowered myself to be my own boss. I had a really, I kind of worked for a company for a long period of time and then got let go in a very, uh, it was kind of like going out with somebody for like four years and then getting dumped by text message and thinking that was okay. Um, and I kind of worked with them uh, for that period of time and found that it was really difficult and it kind of left me in a very vulnerable position. And so I decided that I would take maybe a month off. Um, I actually got flown out to Australia to go and do a deliver a keynote speech and found that very overwhelming in that whole headspace. Um, but kind of came back with like a new, fresh set of eyes on me and my career and what I wanted to be doing. So then in January, then just started embarking on speaking with people and like networking and building through that community. And then kind of everything's just lost into place and I think from there I just kind of realized that that was really special and also I think the moment came when we did our first birthday last week with freelance queens and having seen the amount of women that came through we had about 70 women eating at Nando's lots of chicken lots of Prosecco which is great um, <laughs> but it was really nice to see all of those women kind of come together and it, it, just similarly the way that you guys all interacted with the bingo it was really incredible to see that all come together and I think maybe that was my moment where I was like oh cool like I'm kind of like building up from there. And Shannon do you feel like you made a conscious decision to no longer simply be an employee and instead become an entrepreneur? 
I think that you have to. You have to. There's a point where you say, you know what? I'm going to level up. <laughs> um, I'm going to, you know, make this my own. I'm going to own this. I'm going to be a boss. And if you don't say it out loud, you know, you're saying it in your head. It's something that you absolutely have to say to yourself every day because it's an active decision that you are making to be a boss. Um, and so, and the world will challenge you. People will challenge you. Um, your personal life will challenge you. And so I think it is like a, it's a real conscious decision that you have to make repeatedly. So yes. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with you. I feel like it's something that is in everyone though mm -hmm. um but it is a conscious decision you also have to make mm -hmm. yeah. do you feel like the way that we work now considering that it's changed so much from previous years that individuals have no choice but to make a name for themselves within organizations and hope that that name reach, um, provides them with opportunities beyond and above the organization as well Personally, um, and I guess anybody who follows me on social media after this event will see that um, I have not tried to make a name for myself necessarily. I don't post to social media very much. I like to live out loud. I'm not trying to be in my phone um, all day, even though I am, and it really is more so for work purposes. Um, it's not so much about making a name for yourself, but that also will depend on your industry. Because if you are going to be an entrepreneur, um, then you need to you need that social media support. You need that social media backing in order to build a brand, to speak to your consumer, to your target audience, to get your message out there. Um, as an entrepreneur, I have the luxury of allowing other people within my in, within my network shine. Um, I have an amazing assistant who I know that, you know, after spending a couple of days together, you guys know that she is seriously my echo and she can do Very anything for me. Um, you know, I have, again, the luxury of partnering with incredible people like you and Tahira who can go ahead and, you know, sing the praises of my brand, of my work on my behalf, because you guys have the network and the platform to do it. Um, so it's not necessarily putting myself on front street to say that I have to be the one in front of the cameras and Jamelia knows this. I'm extremely camera shy. So the I fact that I just... had to do this. <laughs> it, it took a lot to get me here. But, you know, I'm I'm here because I want to be because I feel like you guys will have amazing questions. And if I'm not saying if we're not, if hopefully we'll say everything that you guys want to hear. Um, but if not, ask the questions, ask us the hard questions. That's what we're here for. Um, but yeah, I don't feel like it necessarily has to come from me as an entrepreneur. I feel like, again, we have the power in us to spread the love. That's just my take. Uh, I think that. I definitely ring true with everything that you just said. And I also don't have um, social media. So when Christelle was like, can you share a cross? I was like, oh, I don't really have anything to do that on. I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, but again, it's uh, exactly what you're saying. It's kind of building upon that, like the community sense and seeing every people, everybody shine from that. And what I realized, say in a world where we live, where we're really reliant upon social media, our whole network is actually, you can't see us on Instagram. You can't find us on Facebook. It's just a WhatsApp group and it goes absolutely mental every single day. And it would do with like 150 people like exchanging with one another. But I feel like, again, harking back to last week, something there was something really special in that with the fact that you didn't have to have all of that. And you could just bring like a group and really diverse group of people like. I mean, by the end of the evening, I had one person go, I just met the seamstress for prints. And I was like, what? I didn't even realize I had the seamstress for <laughs> prints in this group. And like all these like different pockets of people, incredible people. But so I do feel like there's the power without necessarily need to, needing to have the social media. And it relies on that sense of community. Um, for me personally, I think it's just nice to be able to just, I'm a great believer in just doing the work. And then the shine will happen if it's supposed to. Yeah. Um, and so I think what I love about Treasure Chess is that we do the work and then each of us get our individual shines appropriately. Um, and I think it's great that Julia is the face of, of the brand as the entrepreneur who started it. And I'm quite happy and I'm a big believer in playing your role. And so I always say I'm the right hand. So 
um, whatever. And I feel like that's also um, something that you have to be confident and comfortable enough in yourself to be able to be like, this isn't my baby, but listen, I, I, I will be a cog in the wheel that turns this baby and drives it. So, and I think you have to be, uh, it takes a certain type of person to be able to just be like, yeah, like I'm, I'm good. Like I touch you with you all the time. That's you, boo. That's all you. So, uh, yeah, no, I think so. That's my. That would be my second. Cool. So this next question is for you, Francis. <laughs> but I feel like you all spoke. Um, so we were kind of discussing personal brand about calling it personal brand, and we were more leaning towards reputation. So doing the work and doing it so well that everyone talks about you and everyone knows about you. Um, so, Francis, <laughs> reputation is important inside and outside of your organisation. Have you heard people, have you met someone and they've said, oh, I've heard about you before actually working with you? And what was that encounter like? Um, yeah, so the media industry is quite small. Everyone knows everyone. Um, and my old CEO, I used to work at Channel 4 as well, um, and my old CEO, um, when he found out I was going to Channel 4, got in touch with the CEO and was like, oh, this girl's coming to work at Channel 4, she's brilliant, you should mentor her, blah, 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 blah. Um, so he said. <laughs> and then um, after a couple of months of being there, the boss of my department, I used to work in the first department, the boss of my department basically put me forward for some thing with the CEO and she ended up taking him to dinner. Um, and now she's my mentor, so that was quite good. Um, yeah, <laughs> that was it really. That's a, that's a very nice situation. How about the rest of you guys? Have you ever had encounters where someone's heard about you before actually meeting you one-to-one? Um, I have. You get this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think um, in my in my in the industry that I worked in. So before Treasure Trust, I was in real estate, and um, I was in Enfield, which is where I live. Shout out North London. Um, <laughs> and um, I used to put figures on the board. I was known for for putting figures on the board, and so um, there would be times when we'd walk into people's houses or. And, and they had heard that I'd maybe sold the house next door or a house on the street. Oh, you, oh, you're sure, you got them X amount of money for their property. So that happened, that used to happen quite often. And then in this industry, I don't know, I, I don't think so, so much. I think people are like, oh yeah, okay. Like, I think they know me to be with you a lot of the time. Um, no, I, I would disagree. <laughs> um, so I've, I've kind of been following what you guys have been saying, but I kind of disagree. I feel like as an entrepreneur, you do have a responsibility to build a personal brand, which I think all of you have definitely done, hence why you're sitting here. And I think maybe it's not been intentional, but I feel like you have gone out of your way to overperform in every aspect and be so excellent that no one can ignore you. So I think for that reason, people have heard about you, especially you, Siobhan, like people have heard about you based on how hard you work and how thorough you are with your work. Um, and so you have created a personal brand, in my personal opinion. Well, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else got any experiences about meeting someone and they say, oh, I've heard about you before? Um, absolutely. Uh, there, I mean, I have to say it's happened on numerous occasions, you know, at events. And because, again, that's what I used to do. So um, throwing a lot of events and you walk into a room and you just like everybody kind of like seems to know you. Funny story actually was um, so getting hired for this job, my first uh, my first day of work was actually at a convention in um, Las Vegas, Cosmoprof. And um, so they have their yearly, apparently their yearly company-wide meeting there. And, um, you know, my boss is going in there and she's walking in ready to, like, you know, introduce me to the entire team. And um, I walk into the room and it seems like I probably know about 80% of the people in there. And they're like, Shannon, what are you doing here? Like, hey, what's going on? And um, so I guess that's not exactly them, you know, meeting me for the first time. But, you know, my boss is like, she really looks at me. He's like, oh, so I don't really need to introduce you at all because you seem to know more people than I do. And I'm like, yeah, I guess, you know. So it's kind of nice when, I guess, your reputation speaks for you because, you, you know, you you're good at what you do. <laughs> and I'm thinking that should happen to everyone, every one of you every once in a while. So, yay. So I think some of the qualities of entrepreneurs are definitely that they're proactive and self-starting. Something that I've also noticed is that when you start performing your natural talents, you, you completely excel 
in your role. So if you're naturally good at something and you enter that field and you make it your career, then you're naturally very, very good at it. What are some natural talents that you guys have that you know have definitely been the deciding factor between a mediocre employee and you as an entrepreneur? Um, I'd say in my role, definitely one of them is being able to think on the repeat. Um, that's like super important. I can't tell you enough times when, like, for example, last year I did the BBC Awards, which was really, really fun. And we took out BBC One Extra um, to kind of like report. Um, and in London, everyone wants to speak to BBC Radio One if you're an artist. Like, that's the creme de la creme. That's the best station you can speak to. But when we took them to America, none of the talent wanted to talk to them. No one cared. So literally, it was just like, Who's that? Like, <laughs> you want to go to Hot 97, et cetera, et cetera. So it was literally going up to managers, going up to talent, hey, this is BBC, like, this is what they do, et cetera, et cetera. Being able to read your stats, like, explain who they are. Like, you really have to be able to think on your feet and you have to be a people person. Um, I'd say in my role, that's the two main things. I think maybe... Uh, definitely over communicating. I don't think there's anything wrong with over communicating or reiterating a point. Say that one more time, please. <laughs> reiterating a point. Um, and I think, again, um, yeah, just building upon that. And I think I kind of have got myself into a good cycle with doing events and just recapping on everything and making sure that we're really aligned when it comes to that because the last thing you want to do is turn up to an event and be like, well, I thought you were sort of, oh, no, I thought you, oh, no, okay. And then it's like literally 10 minutes before it's going to happen. Um, so I feel, think that's one of the things. I think always trying to remain and diplomatic and nice. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. sometimes if you, you can bite to the same level as people that you're working with and stress levels, and I think always... I'm always conscientious and always allowing for the fact that if someone's really stressed and they're really complaining about something that says more about them than it possibly does about you, especially if you've done all those other steps beforehand. Um, but it's, it's quite difficult to forget that in the moment because you want to be just as stressed as them, probably. <laughs> um, but always to try and be diplomatic, and I call it um, a shit sandwich as well. So you kind of, you kind of start with a good point go in with a negative point and then resurface with a like positive way to like leave leave the conversation. And Great I think that kind of always helps mm -hmm. with that. And obviously try and coin it in the best way possible so you're not going to aggravate someone. Because I just remember from customer service experience I used to have when I was younger that you know you've really got to put yourself in the customer's point of view and really understand what that feels like. And regardless of whether you agree with them or not, that customer is kind of always right. So it's just finding a middle ground. I think that's really important as well. That was really the foundation for me, like working. So I worked in so much retail when I was younger, and that was really the foundation for me in everything that I'm doing now. And I just feel like customer service is not the same these days. <laughs> I wouldn't get away with half of this. Yeah, I've done so much retail from when I was 16. Mm. and. That's where I really learned, I think, how to just talk to people yeah. on a really personable level yeah. and like find out what that person really wants. Like you have to be able to really listen. Yeah. That was one thing I left out listening. That's probably yeah. like yeah. the most important thing. Yeah. Really listening to what people are saying. Yeah, I had a guest maybe put it in perspective um, today had an issue and needed to work out the most diplomatic way to kind of address the issue so that it didn't kind of muck up the rest of the marketing schedule for an event um, program that we had. And when I'm talking about mucking up her spelling, I'm talking about by one single letter. The whole rest of the name of the title was spelled correctly, but just literally one letter was human error, right? So just complete human error. But it re regarded, regarding how she felt within that situation, I needed to have a conversation, I needed to have a dialogue with uh, the person and their manager understand it and actually once we got to the crux of it actually before we'd even had that phone call I was like I can imagine what this issue is it's not just about spelling someone's name wrong it's like the principle it's the fact that she's a woman of color the fact that within the creative sector it's really difficult within the fact that there's so many layers that go towards this that that letter just signifies so much more than anybody <coughs> can actually comprehend and actually by having that dialogue 
with said partner, it was really easy to then open up and have a really open and honest conversation. And she's like, you need to understand that, you know, when you see that and when you're wanting to share that material that, you know, by having a name even spelled wrong, it doesn't really allow for that to even happen. And, and you know, coming from a different country and da da da, and I was like, I get it. We changed our whole family name because people couldn't spell our like original Nigerian name properly. Like, do you know what I mean? So like them reaching each other on a certain level, it then created this like even playing field to like just really move past it. And I was like, just tell me what you need because I really want to make this happen. And I feel like if we can understand each other and understand from each perspective why we want to work with you and vice versa, then we can find a resolution to it. And by doing that, that literally diffused the whole thing. So I'm just grateful to like kind of follow that approach rather than being like, you what? What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like meeting people where they are, but yeah. being very solution oriented. Yeah. So don't, um, don't come with a problem. Do not you come with a like, problem without the solution. That. Yeah, <laughs> I hate that. I'm like, okay, great. We all are very much aware of what the problem is, but then always but how are we going to fix it? Yeah. yeah. I remember being um, on one of my first internships in New York, and it was literally me and the owner of the PR firm. And anytime I would say anything to him, he would be like, Jamelia, no bad news. And I'd be like, rah, like, I'm trying to tell you what's going wrong. I need some advice. He'd be like, no bad news. I don't want to hear it. I was like, oh. That's really harsh, but now I hear myself saying, please just find the solution and tell me what the solution is. Yeah. But it's the same thing. I'm saying, don't tell me the problem, tell me the solution. And then maybe later you can tell me what the problem was, but I want to know how you fixed it. And I feel like that's the mindset of an entrepreneur, someone that's problem and pro- that's a natural problem so far yeah. and solution oriented, whereby you know, okay, this is the problem, I'm going to fix it, and then I'll go back and tell you how I fixed it, just so that you get the recognition that you deserve. Um, anything else you guys want to add as far as your natural gifts and talents and the way that it's really helped you level up in your career? I'm a people person. I love speaking to people. I love meeting new people and just finding out everybody's got a story. And I think it's really nice to just give people the time and be kind. Um, and that's something I learned years ago where you just never know who you might talk me. You never know who you are talking to. You never know who they might become as well. You never know who they might become. And so I just always say make time um for that. Even if it's five if it's five seconds or if it's five minutes, um I'm I'm always I'm I'm talkative. So I will speak to everybody and I want to know your business too. (laughs) (laughs) But not in a way like I just feel I find people very interesting. And um I think that has really been um, something that's definitely helped me in my role now because I was walking into an industry where I knew nobody and nobody knew me. And so um, because of that, I really took my time to get to know people and study and, and find out what they were interested in. And people who who will buy into you, or, or uh, people love talking about themselves. Oh, they love it. People love talking about themselves. If you ask somebody, like, how are you? Really ask them and they will tell you. And I think that's been um, so key to now when I'm speaking to people and I'm asking and I'm sending emails, it's really hard not to reply to me because I've <laughs> taken that five minutes. So I think that's a, that's been key. But yeah, just really opening up to people and just meeting people where you are as well, as, as well as where they are and just being open and honest and genuine. Have you guys ever felt conflicted about um, being so intrapre- entrepreneurial in your spirit and also conscious of the fact that you are a black woman in these spaces. Have you always felt like you can show up as your whole self? Or have you ever felt like, do you know what, I'm going to leave that bit of me at home and I'm just going to bring this with me today? Shannon's ready. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I feel like um, when you join anybody's fold, anybody's company, the fact that, the, um, again, I'm working for a company, they brought me in there knowing who they hired. So you know what? You have to take all of it. And I can't, it's not like it's the good with the bad, but I am, for example, when I joined the company, you know, they gave me an office and I'm sitting there and it's really, really quiet everywhere. And I, who have always worked at home in my living room, you know, I'm so used to my music playing so I fire up the laptop and of course I have my little travel stereo and you know I'm like so I start playing some tunes and everybody just keeps walking by the office like uh so this is where the party's at and I'm like no it doesn't mean you have to stop by you don't have to stop and talk to me like I am working I swear but this is just the environment that I need in order to kind of you know do what you hired me to do so 
Um, so again, it's not like the good with the bad, but it's bringing 100% of myself to, you know, to the job in order to get the job done. Cause you hired 100% of me. So I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> I, I, I stand for that. I, I, and I do, I think for me, especially like Julia knows me, she knows who she hired. Um, <laughs> but even still, I think when you do the work and you do the work, Shannon, you do the work, when you do the work, you can be who you who you are because yeah. nobody can turn around and be like, oh well, you know, well Siobhan was, you know, twerking at nine p.m. after the party <laughs> was after the panel, but you know she didn't drop not one gem like that. That will never happen. Um, and so I feel like when you when you are just good and you know that you're good and you do what you're supposed to, then you should be able to show up with your full top because that is also who you are. I can safely say that the full team show up as themselves. Me and Michelle consistently have their bonnet on in the office. (laughs) So we have no trouble with that. (laughs) Two things, I guess. Um, For the most part, yes. Most of the places I have been lucky enough to bring my whole stuff to work and not everyone is... um, I remember when I was working at a certain organisation, not to be named, <laughs> not to be named, and um, that work took me to the Houses of Parliament um, with loads of other broadcasters. We were talking about mental health in soaps. Don't know if anyone watches TV, the um, industry. Um, I'm joking. Uh, yeah, so I went to the Houses of Parliament and it was like broadcasters, mental health organisations, talent. And we're talking about mental health and how that is depicted in soaps. And everyone was doing all this talking, like bringing all these like sick points. And I was just sitting there thinking, hold on a minute, black people are the ones that suffer from mental health illnesses like the most. They're the ones that are most likely to um, get poor treatment from um, hospitals. Um, but no one's no one's talked about race and I don't understand it. And there was another black woman in the room and she was um, more senior than me and I kind of was like waiting for her to say something because I was thinking I'm a baby girl like you need to say something um, and then it got to the point where they was like oh okay any more questions and I was just thinking should I say something like so I did say something um, and it was like really nerve-wracking because it was like my first week at the organisation and I just like got taken along because there was nothing really much to do in my first week. Um, and I did say something and after so many people came up to me and were like, oh, we never knew that. Like, that is so shocking, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and since then, that soap has actually put black people, like had a storyline with black people with mental health issues. So it was definitely worth speaking up, but sometimes you just kind of feel like, scared I guess like just like oh like I don't want to be that person but if you're in that position it's almost like you do have to be that person and representation is really important I think I've seen like a lot of people um talking about Love Island at the moment and like oh like representation like you guys always fight for representation but it's not that deep but it really is um to me anyways um yeah because if a little black girl did want to go on Love Island because not all black people are the same, guys. Um, <laughs> if a little black girl did go on Love Island, and um, I'm really glad Samira did go on Love Island last year because she wasn't the typical stereotypical she wasn't the stereotypical black person black person. Um, someone knows it's possible because it's been done, and how are you going to know it's possible if that hasn't been done? But yeah, I've been on track. Maybe from my perspective, I guess in terms of privilege, possibly on, in terms of being mixed race, that sometimes I have definitely gone into spaces that are possibly whiter. Um, I know that one of my first jobs when I moved to London seven years ago now, um, I was speaking to somebody over the phone. I have a very well-spoken, as I've been pointed out, um, accent, and I can remember having a back and forth with, I think it was the Queen's cousin or something crazy like that. Basically, she was going to come to an event, she was going to speak to the event, and was going to come and meet us, and I went to go and find her at the event, got introduced to her, introduced to her. she told me, I was like, oh my gosh, oh, um, 
oh, and just kind of looked me up and down. <laughs> and I was like, oh, hi, I'm Amanda. I've been speaking to you over email. I've spoken over the phone. And she's just like, oh, yes, done. But are you just what was I expected? So in that sort of in, in, like instance, I've had it from that side. But then I've also had it from the other side where I've stepped into, and I was, you know, I was brought up in an inherently white area in Norfolk. I don't know whether anyone knows where that is, but it's definitely the far out countryside where you don't get, if you're on three, then good luck because you're not going to get any signal. Um, <laughs> but I was brought up in that area for, you know, until I was, so from the age of five until I was, I came to London when I was 23 and like went to university and again in a Midlands sort of area. So again, representation is not, the same and stepping into predominantly black spaces it's that feeling of representation of being not being black enough so I feel like from a mixed race perspective I've always kind of jumped between either or side and actually since I've kind of gone and embarked on this career on my own which has been very short so since January I've been freelance but within that space I feel like by empowering myself and empowering myself within everything that we're talking about now I kind of remove that and I'm just able just to be because I just am on the basis of my experience, my representation, my relationships, my community, my way of wanting to work. And that's kind of gone away. Um, and I remember when I first moved to London, I can remember just thinking, God, that white person, when I was walking down the street coming from the like local shop, I can remember just being like, God, that white person's looking at me all, it feels a bit weird. I realised that they weren't looking at me because I was black, which made which is what happened in Norfolk the whole time. The reason that they were looking at me was because I was probably in the goddamn way. Um, <laughs> but those sorts of things are like really important. And I think sometimes we just take them as golden and gospel that people feel comfortable within those situations. And that's just definitely not the case. So I feel like when it comes to these sorts of environments and all that sort of stuff, it's exactly what you say is about being kind. So you, you never actually know what someone's experienced or had to experience or currently experiencing or having to navigate. And that's a whole other thing within itself as well. So it's like being compassionate and bringing that yeah. compassion to all areas of your life, inclusive, yeah. including work as well. Yeah. Cool. Um, so you spoke a lot about overperforming and delivering the best. How do you all make sure that the work that you do gets recognised by the powers that be, right? Um, so by leadership, how do you make sure that your hard work gets noticed by your boss and by your managers to make sure that you get the recognition that you deserve? Um, I think it's exactly what you say. If you just do, then people notice anyway. I don't necessarily go with the idea of wanting to be that person. I actually don't like attention. You can probably hear the shaking in my voice right now. I'm not very good at it. Terence Jamelia was like, there's how many cameras in this room? <laughs> it's, all, um, it's all quite a lot. I do these sorts of things because I care and I'm passionate and I want to try and maybe encourage people to make the same steps that I've done on some sort of level, whatever that level ends up being. Um, but I think it's exactly what you said about um, if you're good at what you do, people naturally tend to know about that anyway. And also I kind of set myself goals. Like this is like just a very basic example, but um, in one of my last places of work, we had to move from one office to another office and it was a considerable size jump from doing that. And in terms of bosses and CEOs, I know that they like things done quickly and they like there to be solutions and not to have to worry about that sort of headache, especially when it comes to something like an office move, like that's really disrupting to a business. Like I remember just being like, if I map this out, like if I really put the OCD gear on and I like <laughs> put it up like maybe two or three notches, probably like collapse in a heap at the end of it, there might be a lot of tears, there might be, you know, some nails going in the wrong holes. Um, I can actually probably turn this around. And I turned around to my boss and I was like, you know what, if we finish on Wednesday, everyone packs away this stuff, we clear it all away. You give me two days without having anybody in the office or needing to be within an office, not even having to look at an office space. You empower people to work from home for two days. By Monday, you can walk into that new office. And then by setting myself that goal, oh my God, I didn't see anyone for a weekend. I looked awful, but I managed to do it. And the boss walked in and was like, how on earth? And it wasn't even like done so that it was just like desk. It was like done so that there was artwork on the wall, so there was a pool table up, like everything was set up. And I was like, rah, like I did that. I did that myself. And I think on those sorts of levels, if you can set yourself like really crazy goals, then that would be like another way of making it happen. 
Do you feel like that worked for you because you were working so closely with leadership? Like you were working that close to a boss because I remember working in corporate and I was thousands of people away from the boss. And I remember um, hearing some of my male colleagues say that they had negotiated a, a pay increase and negotiated a promotion based on their performance. And I had had nothing but positive and outstanding feedback but I didn't have those conversations because I didn't know that I was allowed to or that it was yeah. even possible. Yeah. And I also didn't realize that they were carving out time in managers' diaries to say, oh, by the way, like, look at this amazing work that I've done. So that they're constantly reminded of, oh, wow, James is such a good um, employee. He always gets stuff done. Yeah. So do you feel like it depends on how big the organization is and then therefore how hard you have to try to get the attention of management? Yeah, maybe. I think, and I suppose in that situation, I was definitely close enough to turn around and kind of not really given much choice but to give us those two days like working free from the office um I guess yeah I guess in that sort of respect is kind of like I mean how do you go about an appraisal process or how do you like put those sorts of parameters in or how do you give I mean goals targets whatever you aspirations whatever you want to call them how do you kind of incorporate those how do you maybe I mean I was speaking to somebody the other day and they were like how do you how do you navigate? How do you um, how do you know about all of these events that happen? How do you know how to like program what you program and all these sorts of things? And I was like, I'm gonna selfishly program what I'm kind of interested in, what's kind of topical, what's going on in the world. Like it kind of makes a lot of sense around those sorts of things. And actually, if you don't see something that's um, creating space for you, then you need to create that space yourself. So I didn't see anything like freelance things kind of happening, and I wanted that space for myself to be able to kind of feel like I had a sense of community. And I suppose maybe if there's something in the way of navigating within work that's kind of similar in that sort of respect, like if there isn't a group or if you feel like you want to have a book club or something like that to talk about work or, you know, that sort of communication, maybe that's maybe something that you could look at doing. Mm-hmm. It's a game. That's what I would say. And I personally, I'm not good at playing that game, but it's, it really is a game. I feel like they mention it in Slay Your Lane a bit, if I remember correctly, and you guys should all get that book because it's amazing. Slay in Your Lane. Um, I remember in uh, my old job, um, I would do like good work, but to me, I was just doing my job my management would be like, oh, that's so sick. You should make sure you copy so-and-so in next time. You should make sure you let so-and-so like know that you did this. But I was just like, why would I do that? That's so weird. Like, I'm literally just doing my job. Like, you're not going to clap for a fish for swimming. So why are we going to, like, like why, why would you do that? It just didn't make sense to me. But there are really people out here, like, getting pats on the back for every little tiny thing that they do and that's just not something that I was personally comfortable with but I have seen it work for a lot of people so it's a game that you've got to learn to play um sometimes I would say but it just depends on who you are and if you can do that I prefer to let my work speak for itself and if that takes me longer to get to where I need to go then so be it that's just what I'm comfortable with and that's what my style is but if you can play the game, I would suggest getting involved because it's just the quicker way to do it, I think. So it's funny. I agree with you, but I kind of disagree with you because I feel like you it's not even optional to play the game because, I mean, as if you think about, you know, the ladder that life is, you know, playing the game, it's like, you know, you have to... Sorry. <laughs> so we are... So we're all on the level and then, you know, we're black, (laughs) we're women, (laughs) you know, you're born in whatever, you know, socioeconomic status. And it just kind of like, you know, life sets us up a couple rungs behind on the ladder. Um, And that's not to say that we cannot elevate, we can't level up, we can't make our own, but it is the reality of the situation. And I think that, you know, we have to, I mean, for ourselves, it is our job to not only, you know, put our best foot forward, but, you know, like they said, you know, we're, what, what, is, um, I can't remember what the 
Does anybody know the percentage right now? So men versus women, we're getting what 0.7. If they're getting a dollar, we're getting 70 cents. Is that what it is right now? For yeah, it's something like that. So for what men are earning. And you know, so we have to work that much harder to be seen, to be heard. And so when I learned early on in life from a mentor, from my mother, from a friend, from whoever, that when I do my resume, I can't just say, well, you got to hire me because I'm smart and I'm pretty and um, I will do anything you ask me to do. No, it's like, no, it's like I'm smart. <laughs> and at the last job, I increased their sales by 200%. Like you have to be able to quantify your value, what you're really going to bring to the table because... You know, that's what your competitors are doing without, you know, without having to do it. They are on the golf course. They are, you know, they have a seat at the table. They are just, they're just there. (laughs) They're in the men's fitting room. And so you kind of have to be able to, you know, again, I guess make a lane for yourself, but you know, you need to put yourself out there. So I say work as many angles as you can and it seems like you know you really wish you didn't have to, but you have to. It's the if you you know that it's just it's our it's our burden, but you know do it <laughs> and get it done because you know you're not to say you're you're better than them. <laughs> like you're better than most of your competitors. Um, and the idea is nobody will know it unless you scream it. So I, I agree with you, but. I just feel like it's it's not a choice. It's not an option because it's who we are and it's just something that's ingrained in us and you just have to learn to flaunt it and shout it. Um, okay, my next question is pretty much for all of you. So how do you guys walk the fine line of evoking change in an organization versus realizing that you're just in the wrong place? Like, have you ever been in a job where you're like, do you know what? I've got some really good ideas to transform this place, but I'm in the wrong place versus I've got some good ideas and I'm going to change this whole thing up. Oh, 100%. I just left. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I was fortunate enough to to be able to do that. Like, I've got to a point where um, I, I had lost my why. Like, I was in real estate for five years, two and a half years in. I felt like I had hit all the accolades, I'd won awards, I'd made money, and um, I was doing really well for myself, but then there was just this point where it was just like, why am I even doing this anymore? I am so unhappy. And um, it was like, it didn't matter what I accomplished within that organization, it, it didn't mean anything, it wasn't, I'd lost the why, like, the reason. it just got harder and harder to get up in the morning, I was just like, oh, this is not supposed to be it. Um, versus now, where I went to church, and I'm like, ding, up, like, so... Um, yeah, it's just about knowing, picking your battles, you know, am I going to fight with this, this company that doesn't really want me here and I'm shaking things up, but they're like resistance because it's, it, it shakes up everything that they stand for and everything that their core values are. You know, you've got this little black girl in this white area killing sales. It's just like, oh, like she's winning awards and like we're going to fancy dinners and she's sitting with the board and it's crazy versus now being in a room full of black women and and being able to share these experiences and if i say if if i have a a brilliant idea tomorrow and i call jam at 3 a.m in the morning which i've done before and be like jam this i want to do this and she's like okay cool just send me an email pitch it to me and i'll make sure that pitch is so tight because i really believe in it and because i know that she will give me the opportunity to run with it if she even if sometimes because there's been times that i've pitched stuff to jamila jamila's like I will find every hole in it. <laughs> I will like punch every hole in it. And it's not because I don't believe in it. It's just because I want it to be so tight that it can't go wrong. And it's mm-hmm. going to be amazing. So, And sometimes I'll get like really caught up in my creativity. And so even though I've had this brilliant idea, I can't get it out. And she was like, slow down, put it on paper and tell me what you, what you want to do. And so she's really great at being able to be like, okay, so she wants to make a shift here. How do I support her in doing that? Okay, now that she's got everything to me. And so I just think it's about picking your battles because I wouldn't want to be able to do that with anybody else versus doing it for somebody that just didn't care. Uh, So I think it starts with kind of what you said as well, though, where I was kind of in a place, definitely made changes and shook it up 
in various different ways and added a lot of value to the place, but then equally at the same time were resistant of it. Mm-hmm. And then since leaving, they've obviously gone and done all of the things that you said about doing, <laughs> and all of the partnerships that you said about doing. And <laughs> it's really hard to not want to tell around and say that, oh, so you like that idea. Um, yeah, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but at the time, I guess you get, kind of get so caught up with being in that bubble that actually that becomes your, that's your whole world, right? Like you spend so much time at work and you're really passionate about those sorts of things. And if you can make change and if you can evoke like intersectionality across lots of different levels and you're a big platform, like it's really hard to not want to try and do that. But I think definitely having learned from that experience is definitely finding the right people that really kind of get behind actually don't even need you don't even need to explain they just get it and they let you run with it and then it goes well or it doesn't go well um you make a spelling mistake and then they back you do you know what i mean like all those sorts of things and all those sorts of levels actually that's the right sort of environment and i think it's just about finding that environment that really complements you your working style everything that you need it to be shannon sorry and there's definitely places organizations i've worked where i felt more empowered to um make change but i wouldn't necessarily call the places that were less empowering the wrong organizations um i feel like everywhere i've worked this teach talk teached wow everywhere i've worked has taught me something um whether it's good or bad i've learned either leaving with contacts or new knowledge um so i've never i wouldn't say it was wrong but there are definitely places where you actually are like oh wow i did that or i made that happen um so yeah Oh, um, well, I agree with all of you ladies. Um, and I just wanted to add that, um, there are two things. So one is protect your energy. And I know it sounds very Zen, but the stress is real, you know, um, and the amount of energy that you put out there and into other poor, into other people, um, really is a factor. It really does matter. So make sure before you make a decision to, you know, all right, I'm going to like, make sure they're worth it. Basically make sure that whatever organization that you are trying to grow and impress upon that, you know, that they are worth what you are. They are worth the time that you're going to put in the work that you'll do when you go home, the extra time that you stay late, you know, typing that extra document, sending those extra emails, you know, make sure that that organization is absolutely worth your energy. Um, and then the other thing that I want to mention, I guess is a little more uh, on the board on the level, but intellectual property. So um, <laughs> it's a real thing. Just know that once you share an idea and you say it out loud to anyone at a company, it belongs to them. Mm-hmm. So once, you know, once your amazing idea, your amazing cupcake recipe, your um, new idea for a new product launch, once it's, you say it out loud, it is theirs and they can run with it without you. So keep that in mind. So I just want to throw that in the mix. Do you guys have any examples of um, like creations that you made within an organization Shan and I have spoken about this quite a bit with the originals by Africa's best um, new coconut range but how about the rest of you has there been anything that you can think of distinctively where you've been like oh I had this idea I pitched it they picked it up and it really worked um, when I worked at Liberty which is an agency that ran live magazine um, this was like way back in the day um, when Snapchat was like really popping. Um, and I remember saying, we should be using Snapchat in a campaign because all the young people are using it and it's sick. And yeah, that was a really long time ago. <laughs> um, and they did. And it, they won a pitch with it for Channel 4 and it went on to win an award. So oh, yeah, wow. that was good. Nice. That was yeah. <laughs>
Um, mine, I would say, um, I had one and I was like, yes, this. I'm okay. Yeah. So my first one was the pick and mix boxes. A lot of women were like, "Chip, like we really want to be like involved with treasure chest, but you know, not everybody is able to afford a subscription, or you know, sometimes you have it, sometimes you don't." And so I was like, "Okay, cool. Well, we've got all these women that are interested in in treasure chest, but are not subscribers. How do we get them involved?" And so um, I wanted to keep the same kind of. Um, excitement of not knowing what's in the box for the ladies but how they could just purchase a one-off so I came up with the pick and mix boxes and they did really really well um, so um, they'll probably come back over Christmas um, if you want one. <laughs> um, so those are really cool um, and then the other one was the king box um, which I'm super excited about shameless plug um, so the king box um, is launching officially the 1st of June um, and it's going to be in time for Father's Day and it's essentially a treasure chest box but for men um, and so it's a one-off um, purchase so obviously Father's Day is coming up brothers tell all your kings and your princes that um, we now have a king box so um, yeah I think that's something that I was super proud of and it's something that I was like I want to do it I want to do it so she was like okay go and do it and I was like Yes. <laughs> uh, I think uh, one of the companies that I worked for um, was Boiler Room, which is an online music platform. Um, there was one day when I was the PA, I was like multiple things at this uh, Boiler Room. Um, and one of the days where I was the PA, um, I was talking with the boss um, about you know the structure of the day, and he said, "Is there anything else that you want to add?" kind of really nervous and was like because to me it's really important about not just preaching about things you kind of got to put things into action so for me having been part of she said so for like four or five years now it was really important for me when I'm working at a music company to be incorporating that within my everyday work um and so at the time we kind of had a conversation with a media outlet around women in music and obviously that being a minority and you know something that everybody kind of needs to champion in their own way and I kind of turned around to him and I was like I really think that we're missing something here we're like one of the leading online platforms and we have an opportunity to kind of really be paving the way within all of this um and that was something I spoke about we then went to go and speak with a brand because brands were kind of jumping on at that point around um, intersectionality um, so that we went there and we had that conversation and it was something that I kind of kept on harping on about and something, you know, across our commercial campaigns, what are we looking at? How are we being representative in terms of our programming? And then maybe fast forward two and a half years, I then managed to progress from office manager, PAHR accountant to them being just the project manager and leading in terms of our open dance floors programming. And alongside various other women kind of was able to champion those intersects that we should be looking at across music. So not just women in music, mental health within music, knife crime within music, um, all of the things that socially, politically kind of intertwine with music and kind of um, ways that people have found their outlets through struggles, through celebrations, through um, struggles and things like that. So I think that's possibly one of the things that I'm proudest of. Um, and I think that's something that they've still maintained and continue to this day. And, you know, in terms of like having DJs and female DJs and really championing that and female artistry, like that's something that I'm really proud of. So, yeah, that's me. Oh, I thought, I, okay, well, um, <laughs> I think that, I, well, you know, I actually have something new for you if I'm allowed to share. Yeah. Okay. So hang on to that for me. Oh am I allowed to? Am I allowed to move? Yes. <laughs> I think I'll sneak in the stress by the way. This is it. So I brought for you today. Oh. So yeah. So officially unveiling <laughs> the newest uh, collection for originals by Africans. That's I brought for you guys. So it is the honey and castor. I cannot use this, Shannon. I know. You, I know you can't. She's got, she's you mentioned your outfit. She's too sweet. Oh, <laughs> way too much honey in there. Oh, no. 
But, I mean, some of the consumer research that we've done has led to, you know, this new collection with honey, which is a natural humectant, mo moisturizing, as well as castor, which is, you know, most people, most natural uses know, amazing for growth. And so this is um, a new collection that we will be uh, probably dealing on pretty soon. But yeah, so I think this kind of even answers your question. So one of the um, projects, projects that I'm really proud of is my new baby, which um, actually even displays the new look for this brand and where I'm really trying to take it for a slightly more premium look. Our first time doing tubes um, as a brand. And I know that doesn't sound really major. You're like, everything comes in a tube. But, you know, as a switching up for a brand, switching over to a new, pe uh, new piece of packaging and... Um, <laughs> and switching over to, um, I guess, new components, new ingredients. This is really me trying to refresh, you know, the brand and, you know, wake, wake up the, you know, the staff that's currently in place over there because get them moving and shaking and, you know, obviously more so in touch with what the consumers want. I'm like, I'm listening to you guys. And then I get to take it back to my bosses and say, hey, guys, this is what we need to do. So I'm really, really happy that, you know, so the coconut cream collection is out there. And now Honey and Castor is going to be on shelves pretty soon. So... Yeah. <laughs>